Industrial places are great, and I wish that people would generally, like developers would not develop them. So like, I find that like a lot of people, they'll buy these beautiful industrial places and then they'll fix them up. And when they fix them up, they fix them up too nice and therefore then artists can't afford them. Hmm. Like we, we want them still a little wrecked. Like, I mean, yeah, put in good running water, put it in good electricity, maybe good Wi-Fi, heat, hmm. you know, but beyond that, like, let it be horrible and but the unfortunately all the developers want to make money mm. so they yeah this is why i'm i'm going to check a place outside of prague so the gentrification process it's not happening actually it is kind of because this is really beautiful old it was a screw factory and it's a it's a cultural heritage the building so it's so that's why we go outside of Prague because it's cheaper and it's not not the the cool development is not happening there. Right. So actually, I've skipped over. Let's do the the quick intro thing here. So how do you please pronounce your name correctly for me? It's Vladimir Turner. In Czech, we pronounce it in Czech, so it's not Turner. It's Turner. I know. I would have said Turner actually. Yeah. And where are you from? Where were you born and raised? I'm from Prague. Born in Prague based in Prague. I travel a lot, but I'm based here. One of the big things I always wonder about people that come into the creative industries basically is how do they get made? You know, so like were your parents creative? Was it a teacher? Was it some girlfriend? Like how did how did you come to sort of working in the creative fields? Yeah, I guess it's because of my father. He wanted to be an artist, but somehow because of the regime he was not able to do it. And uh, but he was still like creating things at home, like doing informal paintings and a lot of assemblages and stuff. But he never managed to study the art school. So I guess the, the creativity comes from his genes, probably. Mm -hmm. Also my mother's. And then, yeah, it was kind of natural for me to create things since I was a child. But I never had these like children drawing lessons or anything, which I kind of... I miss, yeah. I missed this opportunity. I don't remember ever having drawing lessons as a child either. Yeah, it was when when we were at the primary school or or even or even I don't know all the schools. It was in your free time you either did sports or singing or maybe drawing. Right, right. So I was more on the sports side mm -hmm. officially. I I had all these like sport hobbies and official sport clubs and stuff oh me too i did what tennis football gymnastics crew like i mean i did ridiculous amounts sorry american football and soccer <laughs> so i mean i did ridiculous amount, and then i ended up having a um, knee surgery when i got to 16 years old so i had to sort of stop everything and that's when i found drugs in the arts actually there is maybe also the connection that uh, I, I was doing all these ofi official sports like baseball or ice hockey before that but i was doing skate i loved skateboarding that was this like western culture coming here and i was like uh so parallel from this official sports i was doing skateboarding hoping that i will not get an injury so i would not be able to do competitions in baseball let's say but then when i quit official sports let's say I think there there is the big creativity around skateboarding or then I switched to freestyle BMX, like riding streets in the city yeah, where you yeah. really 
you find different way how to look at the city because you are actually using it in different way than it was meant to meant to be. So I guess that that's really that's for sure connected with my obsession with working in public space. Because it's like skateboarding, graffiti and like being in the streets kind of. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into some of your training. So you you did go to some uh, train art schools. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started at FAMU. I was the we were the first grade of the new department, which was called which is called audiovisual studies, which is experimental film, media art, interactive media department within the art school. That's kind of difference uh, within the film school. So there is a slight difference from these new media, super media, interactive media departments at art schools that this one was at the film school. So it was more focused on the audiovisual part, maybe a bit more for the big screens than for the video installations. But that was that was the first school. And then I I felt I want to do I want to be more in a public space and not I wanted my work to be shown not on the screen in a cinema, so I switched to the Umprum, to the visual art school, where I studied at Iri David Studio, which was like conceptual art. Oh, I come from a background. My my master's thesis was new genre, so it's sort of the similar interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's that's my background, even though I focus mostly on you know one medium, but still my education is similar. So. Then you and so now, what is it that you're currently working on as a your own personal creative outlet? Because, and I want to get into the the issue of like sort of needing of side hustles. Like you you have to have other jobs in order to be able to afford to do your art here mm-hmm. in in Europe. So, what is it you make for yourself, and then what is it that you do for money? Yeah, I'm quite lucky that the, the it's even on my website. I kind of divide my work into work which is on screen, work which is inside, which would mean inside a gallery or somewhere inside, indoors. I saw that. I was wondering what that meant. Yeah, because in my head, I kind of need to divide it a bit. And then the majority of my works is in public space, so it's outside. So the works that are on screen are somehow capable of earning me some money. So those would be documentary movies. I work for as a freelance for Czech television or doing like uh, feature documentaries. I usually do camera for some for a few directors. So those would be the movies for festivals or a kind of independent feature documentaries. And then I work for a lot of NGOs and activist organizations, which is probably the lowest money you can get for this type of work. But it makes sense to do this work. And what and, and getting back to my personal artworks, it's still connected because the topics I work on in the movies or in the spots for the NGOs are exactly the same topics that I'm interested in my artwork, my personal artwork. Which are? Uh, for the last couple of years, it's my focus from the city landscape switched to the, not urban, but the suburban or uh, natural landscape and social political connotations of problems of living living in it. So it would be environmental topics or... I was really, for 10 years, I was kind of stuck in gentrification, privatization of public space, commercials in public space, racism, squatting. That's a lot of topics. So to these kind of city topics. 
but those are all connected really deeply. If you get in any of them, you find out that it's all connected. So that's, I kind of switched outside of the city in the last couple of years. I try to, because I feel more free in the nature. So it's the same with the documentary movies, actually. So at some point we were doing small documentaries about um, housing crisis, right for the city and homeless people and maybe racism. And at the same time, I was doing installations and interventions on the same topics. So it always comes in a, in hand. Okay. Now, so when it comes to making your art, so because generally the podcast is more about art than commercial works per se, how do you find uh, here in Europe, and I, I'm trying to make it broader than like just Prague and Czech Republic. So here in Europe, like the system, from what I understand, is sort of, you propose arts like in your case because you seem to do lots of sort of performance and public space so like you have to basically come up with an idea write us write some sort of an application for something get approval for something get funded for something and then you can produce the thing is that correct i guess so but this is it is not the way i do it oh okay <laughs> Uh, but well, so I those, really those are the proper channels. Yeah, I guess so. Those are the proper channels. But the art in public space, I never ask if I can do it. I just do it. Yeah, asking forgiveness is always better. Yeah, uh, it's it maybe ten years ago it felt like doing something illegal or a bit rebel. At some point, I had a bit of these graffiti roots and stuff, but I was never doing it for adrenaline. And at some point it actually gets really boring because you know how to work in the city and you realize that you can do anything. So this aspect of doing it illegally, it's nothing interesting for me. I take it as a natural free space for me where I can work within the city. So in Prague, I don't do that much art in public space anymore because I'm a bit bored with the public space here. And I enjoy doing this type of art outside of Prague in different cities or countries. And in different countries, it usually I'm invited to some festival or event. Almost every time I go for art show, I do some performance in the city. I feel much more motivated and inspired in, in different parts of the world than in Prague. So I kind of, I'm invited for a show, I show something at the gallery, and at the same time I usually do something site-specific there. I don't actually know about the official way, I don't ask for money and I don't write, uh, I don't do many open calls or anything. I don't well, know that's what I was going to ask. I was like, mm. so how do you get invited mm. to these things? Because, I mean, you know, part of this podcast is other people listening theoretically are practicing artists in whatever country they're in and you know at whatever level in their their profession they are and they're always everybody always wants to know how can i get to that next level how can i get that next opportunity whatever so like how do some of these opportunities come to you because you say you use the, the vocabulary basically say that you get invited or you mm. get asked to i'm like i've never gotten invited or asked to do fuck all i have to I have to enter competitions, open, you know, right into open calls, do grant residencies and grant applications and stuff like this. So you're saying that you get invited to do things? Yes. <laughs> Fuck uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I live in kind of like mm, I don't think I'm 
that much part of the yeah it sounds really pathetic but i'm not that much part of the official art world in czech republic like people my my teachers don't even know that i do art some of them when i meet them few t- time by time they ask me if i do art and i f- and i feel like okay so should i tell them that i just had two projects around the europe or would it seem just to like uh, egomaniac to say that but they don't know that i do art because i don't show it in czech republic that much And it's kind of different structures because these festivals where I go, this art in public space for fest- festival or performance festivals are usually like you don't create stuff that can be sold. So there is not that there is no big money involved in this process. So it doesn't have that big media coverage. It's not that. I think it's not part of the high art world somehow. I don't like this expression, but it's it's like that. So the structures are much more friendly. So people who organize these festivals or I say festivals because it's more festivals than art shows. Mm-hmm. They all know each other, the organizers or even the artists. And it's kind of a natural structures that you invite the people that you just met. And there is not big, con- not concurrency, what's the... That I don't know. I start a business and you start the same type of business. So we oh, are competition. Ah, yeah. So there is not that much competition. Actually, I don't feel competition in this world. That which must is, be nice. So so that's so that's the so so it's and it's of course thanks to internet. Oh, okay. The, it it really happens through the internet because the documentations of the works in public space. Like there is one moment when it works in the street, there is just a specific context, and then I usually do a type of documentation that is not just a documentation. I try to make, let's say, experimental movie from the project that was in public space. So there is a new product, which is outcome of the site-specific project okay. i like this with let's get more wait let's get a little bit more specific with this because we talked before this about like like good actual stories instead of mm-hmm. sort of general ideas so when you say using the internet do you mean website do you mean instagram do you mean so social medias like and if so how do you use them to your benefit I have got a website which for me is the basic thing and I I'm kind of stuck on putting everything on my website because it's archive for me that I remember what I did because I really don't remember things. So I need to I need to have my website and I really strictly put there everything. But no, I guess not that much people check the website nowadays. So a couple of years ago when I was touring I was like invited to a project in Kyrgyzstan and I and then like few more and in the road and I went to Düsseldorf and Berlin and I was for three months on the on the road and I was doing a lot of art during this time and I met Brad Downey which is my favorite artist from US He lives in Berlin we are doing the same same kind of work And he was like, yeah, you know, this is how I'm on the road for two years and I don't have time to upload my website, uh, update my website. So I started Instagram and I was really always quite paranoid about social networks. I don't have Facebook. 
I know how these things work, so I was for a long time not using any of them. But I started Instagram because of this, because of traveling, and I wanted to show the artwork, and I didn't have any visit cards, any leaflets or anything. So that's how it started. But I guess I got addicted to Instagram, so that's my, I guess, only social network, which became, that's the social network for me. And it's a social network for most uh, visual artists of yeah. any sort. They, it's it's really designed for us mm. in many ways. So okay, so how do you use it? Like so, I mean, because I always wonder, like, for the amount of time and energy and concern and and effort that we put into using social media, do we get like an equal return on investment kind of a thing? I know it sounds really markety based, but I'm just using the kinds of terms mm. that make sense. I don't know like how can you count how can you count uh, this so we are talking about art and social networks and and like suck uh, and somehow in a in a way of talking about success maybe yeah which is a charged which is, word which is I know. really tricky but I guess it it's kind of successful because I still get invited <laughs> to the events and people care about my work and they want to see it but I never asked a curator if he found me through Instagram. I don't I don't think so actually. Like none of the curators would tell me, okay, I saw your work on Instagram. It never happened to me. So maybe and I don't have many followers. I don't I don't know how it works, how Neither do I. That's why I keep asking <laughs> people. Like I have no idea how it works. I, I try to use it and I always seem to get to like a a a point, like Right now, like my personal account is at like one thousand two hundred followers, and I cannot get more than that. Like, I'll add five, and then I'll lose seven. Then I'll add ten, then I'll lose five. Like, it's just I cannot seem to get past this hump of a certain number, and it's very weird, and I don't know why. Of course, I'm pretty lazy, and I don't really use it very much right now. But, but, but again, back to the field of art where I am, the let's see, the art in public space. There, there is really, so there, there was a, there was a big website which was called rebelart.net mm. and it ended probably six years ago. The guy who started this blog, his name is Alan Bieber. He's half German, half French. Now he's a director of huge art space in Dusseldorf, like a proper high art place. He published few books before that, but he was as his hobby because he was coming. He had a lot of graffiti friends and stuff. He started this blog, which was focused on art and public space in general. So sometimes it was more muralism with graffiti backgrounds. Sometimes really political performances and stuff from, I don't know, Voina Art Group, like from all around the world. And it because there was no other website like. We were. I was checking the website every day. It was kind of huge influence for me, and because my works got on this blog, I got invited to places, and it's still it's dead for last maybe six years or even more. I don't know. But still, the structure, the 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 structures of friendships and contacts with the curators and artists from this website, it still exists. And for me and my friends, it's kind of a. I think that was one of the starting points. This website for my let's say career of artist in public space well and that's the, something i keep hearing about is like we you know the 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 art industrial machine keeps telling us like oh we need to do our social media and get our art in the world and do all this kind of stuff but 
I've been finding, and so I've been hearing basically, is it's not about us putting our works out for people to see. It's about that next step. It's about somebody else finding our work that suddenly makes those great connections for us. You know, so like you were making interesting work and then, and, and you were putting on your website and you were maybe putting on Instagram by this point. And then it was when it got then put onto this other website. So it's that repost or that, sh- that additional share. So like, it's not about just us, but it's about the, the next person that really will assist us in growing in whatever way we want in our career. Actually, I think that Instagram is kind of mm, will die in this way because now even in the all the theoreticians, curators and gallerists are actually talk there is this phenomenon which is just Insta curating, is Insta art and all the stuff looks same on Instagram. You you even count with the fact uh, with the size of the photo on the Instagram, you know, like you cannot check it and you cannot zoom it. You like properly it's like shitty resolution yeah i was gonna say you can but it's only so big so so there is this i think that it will not last that long that instagram needs to come with new new features or new new network will be founded but i don't feel as i can see i i see that it's kind of falling down the also the algorithms of instagram itself are changing and are more focused on commercial commercial direction I, i love it how you say they're more focused when were they yeah, not of course. focused but now it's chan- <laughs> it's changing because i think in th- this year uh I, i'm really not it guy but the algorithms really changed so it's not they did i think it's I think not it, even chronological well that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say exactly the same like when they changed it from the purely chronological to whatever it is the new algorithm is now th- i feel like that's when it suddenly became about popularity contest mm. and less about just you know putting up stuff basically like in in when there was that chronological i literally could sort of just go through my friends and see like almost in order like what they had been doing and what they'd been up to and like it was really lovely because it was sort of i could also see the relations of like oh so and so is going on a trip here and so and so is also in the same city at the same time because mm. it was chronological but now i'm seeing posts from like a week ago, three days ago, at this, you know, in mixed in with stuff that was posted 10 seconds ago. And now it's just sort of like, it's not the, it's not, it doesn't have that purity. I fi- I guess that it used to like, it, it's been, you know, in many ways it's been corrupted by the, the algorithms and all these kinds of thing and the capitalism. And I also think that I see, uh, with the number of likes that you can, it doesn't matter if you, So if I, I sometimes I try to put there the actual artwork and then I put there a photo of me making fun of the artwork, like being in the photo and make somehow, and that usually gets much more likes. So it's yeah. not, for me, it's not a serious platform. It's more, it's kind of also, it's my like mental visual diary also for myself that I don't put there just art. I don't. Put the, I don't upload photos of my personal life, but sometimes I put there like diary photos, which are for me mental map for upcoming project maybe. Right. But I don't think it's it's not that serious platform for me. So actually, I don't know. I don't know that it's serious the platform for many people. 
I mean, that's sort of what I'm getting at is like, I'd, you know, because the, like they changed an algorithm now where the shopping, like if you want to buy something through Instagram, you have to have like 10,000 followers to allow for that shop button. So like if I'm an artist and let's say I want to sell my artwork and I want to be able to link to it, like I can't do it unless I already have 10,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So the small bit, so basically like it's in a way, in many ways, it's original idea of like personal connections and intimate relations and all this kind of stuff has made it so that the people that need these kinds of things like young artists or, or, you know, creative people that make small or easily affordable things or whatever, they can't do it anymore because they have to have 10,000 followers in order to do this. They have to be a major corporation or they have to be a, a, a big player on Instagram and social media in order to be even, use the outlet to try to make any money it's it just it drives me nuts because i come from the generation where like the arts was a handshake and a coffee and like it was a very personal experience to buy sell create art and now we are slaves to these algorithms that we cannot game them you know like 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 i could convince somebody that my art was good enough to be on an exhibition or i could talk with somebody or my personality or whatever like we could like each other literally as friends and end up working with people but now with the algorithms you can't you know for lack of a better word like you can't game it you know you can't manipulate it i guess the same way that to a certain extent we manipulate people kind Mm. of thing and it drives me nuts yeah you need to have bigger technological knowledge and and actually this uh, this whole part of making the agenda for yourself as an artist is really exhausting and boring and I try to do as less as I can like I do the the critical amount to be visible but I don't push that hard I guess because I'm satisfied with what I do somehow I don't need to have more shows or well that lends to an interesting question that i i keep running into because for lack of a easier way of explaining it like the podcast is about trying to be successful but the problem is is the word successful is a very different topic you know like, like one person would define success very differently than the next person basically and especially in the arts the the mediums are different and therefore the expectations of success are very different as well so how about this for you? Can you define the idea of like, so if on your deathbed, you were to look back over your artistic life, what would be the, the something that you could have done or achieved that would just say you were successful? Uh, I think that knowing that I was happy with, with what I was doing and I don't feel like I missed some opportunity, but these opportunities for me are not maybe some art awards or big galleries, but the fact that I did the did the actual project because some with my performances I really feel deeply in the in the process. I feel when I do the performance I'm extremely nervous and I'm like pushing my boundaries and and there is this adrenaline aspect, even though I'm not doing anything physically hard difficult, let's say, or illegal. But there is still this like, really strong adrenaline moment at the end of each 
performance that for me is like a big success that I could even if the performance was not successful and it doesn't look good on a photo or whatever I did it and I I so like that that's the success for me and I feel happy that I did it it's I don't I don't feel anything in the world that is happening I just felt the moment I felt free I felt and that that that's it and I love that idea my issue and I mean this is obviously an American thing and probably a me thing it's probably not even all of America but it's me is I wish and hope in my artistic career to be able to afford to be able to continue to do my artistic career you know because I mean in the end no matter how much we all are want these beautiful idealistic like oh I just make this thing and it's just for me and just production of it makes me happy which don't get me wrong sitting in my studio making my art makes me extremely happy but I have to pay for some of those materials I have to pay for that space I have to do this so like we all have to do something so like so I guess then the question is is like how much are you willing to do things for pay that maybe you, you don't like or want to do necessarily in order to be able to have the freedoms to do the things you want to do i kind of i pushed my uh, the my life budget is really like almost the lowest i could imagine so i don't have to pay big rent i don't so my cash flow is really low (laughs) and even my art yeah this is but you have a lovely computer setup I need that for the for the <laughs> movie editing. That's probably the biggest. That's yeah. This this is the only I own. Actually. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, outside of like my a physical space that I rent, the mo- the most nicest thing I have is definitely my electronic items. So for me, the the and the art I do, I usually don't use new materials. I don't need to buy a lot of materials. I don't, and it's also connected with the fact that I don't have a proper art studio. If I had a big studio with a lot of space. I would probably love to do more sculpture works. I would need more material, but still I'm used to recycle or to steal a bit or to don't admit to stealing to do to do it in the DIY way. So I don't expect to get um, I'm not used to have money for the projects. So maybe I'm not spoiled by this. Maybe if I had opportunity, I had like one year budget and huge studio. After that, I would feel sorry that I don't have it anymore. But because I never had this experience, I'm fine with it. I have to admit, yeah, I just moved here from the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi. And while I was there, I had like the most amazing resources. I had, they just threw money at everything. I had a massive studio. I will never have a studio space as big as that. And when I first got here, I was sort of like, none of this is as good as what I had. So like, it's like I've been spoiled and and now I'm like, well, I mean, my studio is fine, but it's not as good as it was. And I had better resources. So I don't have it. And, and over the past, like past two years, I've had to sit down and say, I can't continue to use that as like a, a, a benchmark because that was a fluke. It was a random thing that will never happen again. And I need to, accept where I am and learn to instead of instead of desire things that I will never have learn to work with what I have yeah that's that's a yeah that's a good mind mindset then you are more free that if you if you don't seek 
I know I would be pathetic again, like talking about this general ideas of freedom and not being um, sell out and stuff. But this is a huge part for me. I'm 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 a bit bored about talking about it because like all the interviews that I usually do are about political art and privatization of uh, art institutions and stuff. And this is a, this is a huge this. part of. Of my personal thinking about the art world, hmm. that's why I'm happy that I'm kind of outside this big money structures. Okay, what's something? So for me, for example, successes that I get invited to uh, to a foreign f- uh, art festival. It usually the urban art public art festivals look like looks like that you come there for research for maybe one week to the city then you come there back in half a year and you stay there for let's say one month and you do some public intervention and you spend one month in in a nice city you get paid for everything and you can live free in i don't know somewhere in france or in holland or in australia and you explore so there is this nomad part kind of art nomad i love that idea, idea. i'm all for so it so that's for me that's maybe like being honest that's kind of success that i feel like my work is appreciated some of my teachers think that i'm activist they don't even look at my work as artwork and Mm, I was involved in several activist movements in Prague, which at some point were had big media coverage, mm-hmm. and maybe because I was a visual artist within the movement, and I was I am a bit known. My my name is, you can see me on the posters or in the media sometimes. So it was easy f- uh, for the journalists to talk to me because I wasn't some person which was part of the movement. I was not totally invisible. So I was invited to the interviews about squatting, using abandoned houses in a cultural way, or let's say refugee crisis topics. So I'm invited to do interview about art, but we talk about uh, some political topics usually. I'm here about art. So uh, so maybe I never had interview which was just strictly about art. I don't yeah, now I realize. <laughs> I have to admit I'm going to come up the the name of the podcast is the wise fool. So sometimes I come off as an idiot. So I'm going to come off as an idiot this time. I as a general whole am not a engage as engaged let's say in like performance art and basically a lot of these kinds of things that you say that you these performative pieces and things like this why do you feel like they're the best way or the most effective way or the most appropriate way to express the issues that you're bringing up because i can think of a number of great i don't know what documentary films and and uh, photo essays and things like this that, that express things about political problems and refugee problems and things like this very, very effectively. So what, why do you feel the need for the performative art piece to be added into that vernacular? Yeah, that's really, so the, even the first step of yourself as a human body of a human flesh stepping in a public space and using it there, it's already a political act. You with your vulnerable body that can be hurt really easily in any way 
within the public space you just put it there and you leave it there as some kind of material and or or a statue sometimes it's i feel like a living statue sometimes i feel like art charlie chaplin doing sketches in the city because i work with irony a lot and this moment just coming outside to the city and not man not manifesting something because of commercial interest but manifesting something because some i believe that i i don't do the art just for myself i know it's also pathetical but because i work with the social and political topics it's there i put it there as some kind of my body is a manifestation of the of the topic so this for me it's already like really deeply political and also it's it's for free your money your body <laughs> you can use it you don't need to buy any Cheapest material art material it, there is it's so and i also like the the time based aspect that comes from the film school because the audiovisual art is time based mm -hmm. so for me the time based thing and the moment of boredom the moment of stress and then the moment of adrenaline and also maybe the moment that the people don't even realize that it's artwork but they but there are thousands of people passing passing around you it's really interesting for me and you've got also from the view point of view that you want to get viewers you've got much more viewers in the streets than in the galleries and it's closed oh, yeah. closed closed space the gallery it's private space even. yeah there was a quote from a photographer i cannot remember the name of the photographer from years ago which was in the beginning of his career he had the choice of being a, a fine artist and basically exhibiting his photos in a gallery or he had the choice of being a, a magazine photographer so fashion editorial and all this kind of stuff and he realized he could he could reach about 2000 people if he's lucky through a good art exhibition but he could reach two million people through a really beautiful image in a great magazine mm. and so he chose to go down the avenue of magazine and, and and he's very happy with that and it's just an interesting choice of like when we choose to make our art like we don't make it while we say while we all say you know i'm saying in air quotes like we all say we oh we make it for ourselves we don't really make it for ourselves because if we made it just for ourselves we would literally never show it to anybody else then it's purely for ourselves. But that's not true. I mean, we do want some amount of interaction, response, um, engagement. We, we want something when we create works. You know, and, and like I make an object, so like I want somebody to appreciate the object. I want somebody to love it and care for it and engage with it as much as I do. And you do performative work, so that's very different sort of relationship that you want you desire to create yeah it's the, the the feedback is really different because you don't have get feedback people don't have time for thinking about the artwork and giving you some intellectual feedback like writing art critique on your art show because in the street they just pass around you in a few seconds and they either stop or they don't stop yeah, and, they and if only they see stop, a little part yeah. of the bigger project and and if they stop there and they maybe start to interact with you or talk to you the feedback is really immediate and it's really it's kind of both improvisation from both sides and there is this theatrical e effect that there is something new happening and that's really that's really interesting so what is it you're so like i mean it's gonna this is gonna sound horribly superficial and petty when i say this about myself but so i make a product 
and as I said, I want somebody to enjoy it. And I, you know, I want somebody to buy it and I want somebody to take it into their home and they love it and they pass it on to their children, whatever, you know, it becomes part of their lives. What is it you want people to get from the performance? To realize that that actually anybody can do it and that we we should all use the public space freely. That's I think it's for me, it's the main message. Sometimes I, it's really, I don't do documentation or the documentation really sucks. I don't care about the documentation sometimes. But the, but, uh, or sometimes, that was the point. Sometimes I do the documentation to show the people that they cannot, they can do it. Some of my videos, which are documentations of the interventions are actually manuals. How, that it's really easy to behave freely in the public space that actually I don't feel I take it some a bit like some open source thing mm. that I put it online and people see that I don't know what would be an example maybe like really easy example is that at some point in Prague where there was the construction of Tunnel Blanca that's the highway tunnel going through the city which is really cool that but it's actually like one of the biggest corruption money scandals in Prague that oh sucked. I'm sure yeah like so it was a huge topic politically oh I'm absolutely and sure the, and horrible the, and at the point yeah. where when they were building it all around the construction sites there were huge Prague uh, municipality banners with really bizarre uh, Prague propaganda about how happily we live here and this will bring more joyness and happiness into our lives the tunnel and I started to steal these these uh, these plastic banners yeah. in a big amount. And I did at this time I was doing maybe just like five projects with this. I built huge TP like uh, proper TP six meters big TP, yeah. and I put it in one place. And homeless people started to live inside of it, and it stayed there for three months, and they lived in. Or I was just stealing it and using the banners from different art projects. And at this point, it was really nice that I met a lot of... And I could see that the banners started to vanish, not just for art, but for people making roofs for their garden house out right. of the banners and stuff. Sure. So I don't think that all the people started to do it because of me, but a lot of my friends from like uh, anarchist underground DIY culture, they, they said like, oh yeah, this is great idea. Sh sh like, can we, can we copy your idea? I'm like, yeah, sure, you are not copying the idea. Like manufacture things from this. So that was just like really easy, not even probably art, kind of a way how to show how people can recycle bullshit material, which was a bullshit city propaganda and turn it into something which can be used in practical way. So that was, for example, a big success for me and the whole process of making even really amateur documentation made sense. So this is also some of the structures that I'm in, these festivals that I go to are not just art festivals, but maybe urbanism or guerrilla architecture or this like mm, design hacking, how to reuse things and mm -hmm. stuff. It's funny, you keep using terms that, like, as an American, that I find very foreign to my experiences, like propaganda and things like this. Like, the, these seem to be things that are still very much of the consciousness in, here in Europe. They, they, they use these kinds of terms very often. Um, I didn't grow up with that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I grew up with um, bureaucrats being... Um, 
the corruption corruption yeah i mean we use words like corruption mm-hmm. um you know marketing and and public relations and things like this but the word propaganda is a very big word here yeah public relations is propaganda marketing is propaganda but Art but not but, but not political but but commercial and you you grew up in us so you grew up in the like in really strong propaganda you just maybe didn't know it didn't know it no but it's like of course you oh no we were completely within, indoctrinated yeah. into these ideas absolutely I'm and i don't that. i don't actually use the word just in peorative way i'm okay with calling my works propaganda sometimes that's why i talk in media because when there is a when there is some topic in a public space that i'm interested in i work on it in art way and then i go to sometimes i i talk with the journalist and i say okay i'm going to talk in your media which is more let's say conservative maybe right-wing liberal that i'm totally on an opposite specter Wait, but i'm right going wing to... is the opposite of liberal no here uh, okay neoliberal is okay right... so it's also it's also Wait a minute. does right wing in europe mean mean liberal so uh, okay in czech republic it's kind of, it's a bit different situation that liberal we use for neoliberal neoliberal but nobody use neoliberal anymore and in Czech uh, you would call liberals the the people who were happy that the communist that there was end of communism and they were really of course and they uh, started to build this capitalist society and the only enemy for them is still communism which is dead for last 30 years and we don't have problems with that but in this mindset in this mindset uh, they think they are liberals but they built built this like oligarch stand that we live in now but they are happy with it because it's free market and it's like liberal to make business so uh, actually it's a bit different meaning here but not for everybody for me saying liberal it's like a 90s generation of people who are in their 50s now and totally forgot that they didn't win with one revolution they f- they forgot that they need to fight for the freedom all their life oh yeah i don't get me wrong i'm not i mean as much as i was raised and indoctrinated into capitalism and all this kind of stuff if i had a choice i would absolutely prefer socialism um that that's the you know socialism is a theory not necessarily socialism as it works because i find that politics and all these kinds of theories you know democracy socialism communism all these kinds of the the written text behind them i think generally almost all of them are really quite beautiful and elegant but it's when you get humans involved in them and egos and all these kinds of and ids and stuff they all go wrong like none of them will actually work none of them so like i don't care capitalism communism socialism none of them will work when people are involved in them when humans get involved as a written theory sure yeah they're all you know really quite elegant in their own ways but they just won't work um and so, i mean even america where they say it's a democratic society is bullshit it's not it's not democratic it's a, a representative republican is a rep- representative republic it's not an actual democracy i mean if it's an actual democracy every single question that was asked of the government would be voted by everybody that's a democracy and so it's not that and i mean same here it's not you all have representatives that represent you as well but 
I try not to digress too much into politics or religion. Those are my two topics that I just yeah, had. I'm sorry. I switched no. to it. Again. No, no, it's and fine. But the message was that I sometimes say that I'm doing propaganda. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Probably I Sometimes I say, I, I say like uh, that maybe I do positive propaganda because <laughs> sometimes there is this expression, and positive maybe, propaganda. And maybe that person that made that poster that said how happy people are in Prague thought it was positive pop propaganda. <laughs> So, I mean, but yeah, but that's what that's part of the thing too is like this whole issue of like propaganda kind of thing is is that it's it's a matter of perspective. I think it's a matter of motivation, and the motivation mm -hmm. either is commercial and it's money and power based, or it's based on some higher ideas, solidarity and freedom in general. I'm sorry for using this expression a it's lot, fine. but no, it's... no. If if you don't mind, actually, how old are you? 33 33 okay i'm just i'm trying to just sort of gauge so like you were born right around the revolution time mm -hmm. period so you've you've only really lived in free societies yeah when i went to the first school it was really easy that uh, they would teach you communism is bad capitalism is good it was we were the first generation at the school after the revolution which had all the Russian-speaking teachers started to learn English, and they were teaching English. So the and, and it was quite bizarre, like being at a school in the nineties. It was real. Everything was so easy and obvious. What is good and bad? This is what I grew up in. And they stayed at the schools. Like no, some of the teachers were kicked out from the schools, but the same generation of teachers that taught my mother were teaching me. But they just switched. So the communism was not good anymore. That was the bet, and the, and there was capitalism. It just switched, and they started to learn English, so they could teach the 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 students English. Right. Okay. So back to the artworks. <laughs> Trying to get off politics because last thing I need is that more political talk. But um, so you have to do other jobs to make ends meet, basically, because like from the construct that you've created for yourself you're in your artwork you're like and and the even the motivation of your artwork like you are never going to be rich from your art you are never going to be even probably sustainable by by your art so you have to do other things and this always fascinates me that like there's this whole sort of background in history of like the idea of a starving artist because like you never hear of a starving lawyer or a starving doctor, or you never even hear of a lawyer or a doctor having to do a second or third job to make ends meet mm -hmm. kind of thing. But yet people in the creative industries almost always at some point in their lives are starving. And at some point in their lives always have to do two or three or four different jobs in order to make ends meet. I mean, I do four jobs right now here in the Czech Republic. So I get it. So what other things have you ha are you currently doing to, to make ends meet? So this weekend, for example, I, we were with Teresa Reichova, which is one of the directors that I work with. We, we do a lot of uh, student film workshops, which is Oh, so you really, teach workshops? Yeah, yeah. I okay. also teach. Like last year, I was running a host art studio at FAMU, the school where I studied. So I was teaching for one year, or I was running uh, art, one of the studios at the school. So I also teach these workshops. For example, this one was in children orphanage. So that was kind of really deep um, situation. 
and with Teresa Reichová or Apolena Rychlíková, which is another director. I work just with females directors. It's happened that I don't feel that it, it's kind of better for me that there is not this men tension. Yeah, testosterone. The, yeah, yeah. The, the, the ego tension is not that high. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy that I work with with female artists mm-hmm. and oh, with yeah. Apolena Rychlíková we were at the end of the summer we finished a movie which is now in post-production which is one hour feature documentary about effects of climate change in, Czech, in Czech Republic which is kind of a hot topic and I work on it a lot but this this movie is also quite artistic that it looks like a classical let's say national geographic observation documentary but with highly ironical and political voiceover commentary mm-hmm. that was made for Český Journal, which is a series of outer documentaries in Czech Republic. So it's kind of a, that would be one of the successes maybe to talk in this way about success, that having a movie in this series, it's one of the top successes for uh, documentary movie makers, maybe. Yeah, and I I got back from Thailand where I was working for Arnica, which is one of the first Czech environmental NGOs. And I went there with them to document their project about analysis of toxic materials in air, water, soil pollution. Actually, it was mainly about how we as a Western world actually colonize these countries with our trash because we export our problems, the trash we exported there, and it's recycled in medieval slave conditions. So I will do some short videos for the NGO, and I will probably do some 20 or 30 minutes experimental video essay from this material that I get. Okay, just to be clear on this, because because I always keep running into this whole thing of like grants and residencies and funding and blah, blah, blah. It sounds like you've sort of set yourself up into some really interesting scenario where you very rarely, if ever, have to do any sort of seeking of money or writing of any sort of things to go along with your works. So whether it's your personal work or your commercial works, you sort of positioned yourself in a place that you don't have to write about your works very much. No. Oh, I'm so jealous. I, I'm I'm constantly having to write about stuff and it drives me nuts because you know, my, my I come from the background of if I wanted to make if I wanted to write about my artwork, I would have been a writer. <laughs> but I, I wanna make artwork, so I don't want to spend my time trying to explain my work. I just wanted to spend my time doing my work. And you, you seem to have perfected this, <laughs> like you know, like you don't have to seek funding to make a film because you positioned yourself as a director of photography and a cameraman. So you basically just get employed to do it. You don't actually have to seek those things out. You make artwork that is about sort of an experiential things. So you and and your your connections, your relationships, and your little tribe that you've sort of built around yourself they respect you and trust you that you're going to do something good and you don't have to do any of this writings. I'm quite envious of that position actually, because I hate writing about art. Yeah. I realized that, that, you know, last time I, I, I said that when we went for some activist meeting in Berlin, I was there with a group of 
like my buddies from the same subculture let's say and i was saying yeah i know i'm really lucky that i'm in this position and like and i should be really thankful and you're like but why should you be thankful you are working hard the fact that you are not working hard in a corporation and you are not having proper money it's not it's not evidence that you would not be working hard so it's obvious that you should get some si- some kind of satisfaction and it's good that you get satisfied with the low money you get but you do projects that matter so that was kind of a relief because of course i've got frustrations and uh, like from the financial situation i really don't have any backup money i just live from one day to another so that's for sure it's super frustrating living in this freelance way all the time and also the jobs that i got from ngos that there is not many people who do that because it's such a low money there is a lot of documentary filmmakers and i know we are we all know each other but it usually works in a way that they would call like a proper production the proper production says the budget and it's 10 times higher than the ngo has so then the ngo calls me so there is already this kind of jokes we have with some people okay okay so they didn't do it okay let's call let's call vladimir he will do it he's because cheap. he's cheap which actually sucks of course because i'm i'm kind of deconstructing the, the the market and the working conditions because it's really sometimes i feel like kind of a slave but at the same time i say okay but i'm working for a good thing and i i'm i'm making the f- world better so mm-hmm. this i need to repeat in my head and being this kind of censor my my way of thinking what is tough because i mean because even if you're on the sort of the lower end of the pay scale for a documentary filmmaking cinematographer director of photography i mean you could you could increase even if you're you know near the, the bottom of the pay scale you could increase it you could say okay uh this time it's 25 more expensive than last time because you liked what i did and so i should get paid more but you don't do that i'm not a good businessman i guess yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the thing that that drives me batty about the creative industries across mm. the board is that most people who go into the creative industries myself and you at this point choose to do it because we really love being creative we love the act of, of uh, working with other people we love the act of, of manifesting something you know bringing something into the world affecting people you know whatever kind of phrase you want to put for your own stuff but in the end it's still a business like so i don't care how much you want to avoid Mm -hmm. the market and all this kind of stuff there's still money that has to be transacted things have to be paid for somehow by money and we're not business-minded people like we're just not i really wish there was like some company out there that would be the business managers for artists and i don't mean like galleries and the other i'm not talking about the existing ones i mean like literally just a business manager (laughs) like just just make my appointments for me help me balance my books help me do my taxes i mean like literal just like everyday stuff that artists have greatest difficulty of doing Mm. (laughs) like we're so bad at it i don't get me wrong i do know some people who are excellent at it and generally they're doing well in the market but but i mean most of us don't choose to get in to do that and i mean the people that i know that 
that are so, you know being successful and I'm putting air quotes here like being successful in the market they all bitch and moan saying like oh well 80% of my time I'm doing public relations I'm doing emails I'm doing appointments I'm doing you know all the things that aren't the reason why you got into the creative industry mm. and then the like 10% of the time that they actually get to be creative it's just not I don't see it as the beneficial thing. Like yeah, that, that's not the reason for doing this. That's not why, why we got into this. Yeah, of course. It's totally blocking some in your brain. It makes this whole of being too r- rational and this whole like agenda around it. It's too, it's too rational and too like mm, the motivation is somehow like too obvious. I like to be a bit lost and not being sure of what what I'm doing. I grew up, I'm, when I was growing up, during my high school, my mother had uh, uh, advertising agency. Oh. So I, I kind of grew up in, in the world where you know how to manage things properly, you know mm-hmm. how to do public relations, you know how to... And none mock, of that rubbed off you on know, you. You know how to manipulate people. So <laughs> there is a... There is so that's for me a huge influence. That's why I was really focused on even destroying commercials in public space and or somehow remixing them, like doing all the culture jamming at busting projects. I used to do classic street art in the nineties when when the wave of street art got here around year two thousand. Mm-hmm. I was totally obsessed with street art. So actually, propaganda is inside of me really deeply. Nah, Either the, yeah. so I know how to do these things. I just don't want to because that's from my mother's side. I think there is in me. It's like deeply. I I can organize things in a good way, but I don't want to do it because it's exhausting, and I want to be creative, not that much, not uh, yeah. I want to be creator, not producer. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could, of course, choose to do other things other than this podcast to, to probably make more money or any money. But, I mean, I choose to do this because, like, this is something I actually, like, on the one hand, like, I actually want to know the answers to these questions from all these different people that I talk to. That's obviously my my motivation. But my beyond that, like, I want people who listen to this to then somehow be motivated to to do something but you know so like i'm still a teacher i always want to be a teacher and if i can't be in a classroom i'm hoping that through this podcast people can sort of learn to do things differently think differently see differently whatever all the different kinds of things that i hope that i do as a teacher but that i'm not doing as a teacher currently so this is my outlet for some way to do that but uh it doesn't yeah there's no money you know, you gotta, but you need money in the end, which sucks. I would love a world that was all barter where I could trade goods and services. I can do lots of things. I can build things. I can you know repair things. I'm so good at all that. I could trade art. I could do all these kinds of things, but sadly we work on a but these worlds exist. Where? They are they are just even here. So they're talking about barter. We also did a documentary about the barter financial system with no money involved, which comes from Canada. It's called Let's System, L E T S. And in Canada, there are huge areas that actually there are thousands of people in one area uh, who 
are not using money at all and it's not some hippie utopian thing of course there are people who are more they live like really pure sustainable way without any electricity maybe but the whole system is it's it's also in prague and around czech republic it's really small scale but it's growing and you can barter your services with your for your crafts or you can babysit children or you can borrow somebody a car or you are maybe planting bio carrots and you can exchange all this so and like all yeah, no, I, I want to be able to trade for a new apple computer yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, so you would problem. have to babysit a lot <laughs> yeah i mean that's the problem is like i want big things <laughs> <laughs> for barter i don't i don't want to barter for small things small things don't bother yeah but they, they even uh built a house in this way we really? were we mm-hmm. were in south czech republic and there were people who were building the whole family house through this whole system interesting so it just takes more time so we should not hurry that much well that is another issue is okay so, i mean the 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 immediacy of the the modern world like everything is disposable everything is super fast everything is moving so fast that to a certain extent we don't have time to appreciate these things like i mean because like i look at the art world because of course that's what i'm doing here on this podcast but i'm looking at the art world and like it moves so quickly like just this week is uh, the Art Basel with the the whole banana thing and, and all this little controversy that's going on around that six months from now not even six months from now six days from now people are going to stop talking about that it's a, they're going to move on to the next thing and we we don't have an appreciation for things that take time everything should be fast like for me actually I, i'm slowing down a lot in my life when i was a kid i was very much immediate i was i was a photographer so you take a picture you get the picture pictures done put it on the wall complete and and i always looked at my friends who were painters and they would paint for like four or five months to get one image and i'd be done with a couple thousand by that time as a photographer but now i've actually slowed down and like now i'm to the point where my art pieces are taking two and three months to produce and i don't like the immediate stuff i i want to take time put craftsmanship in put time and thought and planning behind things more so than i maybe did in the past so maybe my i'm reacting to the issue of the speed of of society going so fast these days with my works i work really spontaneously and um, usually the projects don't take a lot of time it's real sometimes i get the idea and i t- need to realize it in few days or weeks and because i think usually in in the media of performance or public installation or maybe some ready-made it's really easy to make it v- anytime so i produce a lot of really small things i don't have i don't work on big projects usually i would love to have big solo show where i could focus on it for a couple of months i never had this opportunity i don't know how it how it feels but i guess it would feel good but i'm really working kind of almost in a series like the works don't look the same but it's i'm producing something all the time in a sm- like you know i went to the thailand to work on a spot few like one minute spot for ngo but you flew I've, all the way to thailand for a one minute spot. yeah maybe two spots it will be probably two spots which would be one or two minutes long and during the stay i realized that it's nonsense 
that I should produce something for myself also. And I was exhausted. I hated Bangkok, the city. I was there for a second time and I really hate the city. And from this hatred, I did a few performances there that I'm just editing the videos now. Mm. So also the ecological uh, aspect of the fact that I flew around the world for one video. Now in my head, is, I'm alibistic and I can say, okay, I produced more artworks. So there is a bigger excuse that I traveled with an airplane around the world. Yeah, balance your carbon footprint a little <laughs> bit in some way. And also during the time I realized, okay, this material looks interesting. I will, the last week I was working in a different way. I was kind of sure that I have got enough material for the NGO. So I started to capture Defender and Shots working in an abstract way. So I can create a movie, like art movie for me. And that's an interesting thing. That, the, this would be the last little thing because we, we got to wrap this up. But the, I find a lot of the, the some people who are creative and have to do certain things for money keep it very separate. They're like, this is the thing I do for money. This is the thing I do create, you know, personally. And they, they, they don't blend. They don't overlap, whatever. But I find that there's a lot of other people that they'll, they'll take on creative jobs to earn money and then they find a way to sort of blend the two sort of bring them together so basically okay fine i have to suffer to do this stupid thing for money but i can get some source material or some inspiration or some access to a a, a tool or a device or whatever to enhance my solo career kind of thing so it sounds like you're doing that where you got you're sent out on these shoots to do these things but and then you end up having some additional time or resources and you you do some additional footage that then ends up being part of your personal process. Yeah, I do that maybe almost every time, probably. Sometimes we just work on a really kind of classical documentary movie and on the set I make, you know, there is a lot of surprises. That's what I love about documentary movie making. It's the same effect as when you stand in the street and doing performance. You've got a lot of encounters and you never know what happens. That's the same with documentary filmmaking. So sometimes I'm doing a shot and during the shot I realize, okay, I will leave the camera on for two more minutes because this shot will be probably a good loop for a video installation. And my mindset at the moment like clicks to the art world from the more rational documentary world and I can I can create another work out of it so that I work in this way somehow hmm. all right well thank you very much for your time thank you if you enjoy the podcast I would appreciate a five-star rating and please tell your friends to listen and subscribe also you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.